On today's show, Jalen Green's Rockets season in review. What were the expectations for Jalen Green coming into this season? How do we feel leaving the season now in the rearview mirror? What were the best stretches and the worst stretches from Jalen Green's rookie campaign? Best game, worst game. Where did we see him grow the most? All of that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, also host of Locked on NBA Mondays, co-host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as the founder of ClutchCityControlRoom.com. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. For today's episode, we're going to get into Jalen Green's Rocket season in review. His best moments, his worst moments, best stretches, worst stretches. What were the expectations coming into the season for Jalen Green? How do we feel leaving the season behind now? And we're going to take apart all of that and get into all of it. And, and I think the best place to start is what were those expectations coming into the season for Jalen Green? I think the expectations were monumental for Jalen Green. And frankly, I think he delivered on a lot of them, but to come into an organization that, you know, had just left the shadow of James Harden, one of the greatest shooting guards to ever play the game for Jalen green to be drafted number two overall, to have all of these like huge expectations placed on his shoulders for what this franchise wants to achieve further down the line. That's a ton of pressure for a 19 year old kid to be dealing with. And I think you got to understand, like you got to think that he handled it beautifully, all things considered and has really embraced the city, his role with the team. And I think that's where we saw him grow a lot throughout the season. But where I want to start, because we're going to kind of break this up into the, the good stretches, the, you know, the, the best stretch of the season for Jalen Green, the best game of the season for Jalen Green, at least in my opinion, worst stretch, worst game, and how some of those things fed into one another. And where I want to start with is actually the, you know, the stretch that I think is kind of harder for people to stomach. And that's just the area that Jalen Green really struggled with this season. And I think a lot of people would, on the surface, point to the Rockets' 15-game losing streak, right? And they'd say, oh, well, that Jalen played horribly during that stretch. Sure, he did. Like, he, he had a rough start to his NBA career, and a big part of that was because of the double-big lineup that the Rockets were using, right? They were... You know, they had zero spacing. Again, call it double big lineup. Call it, you know, no two non-shooter lineup, whatever you want to call it, right? The Rockets had zero spacing, and it was horrendous. And it was really hard to watch, and they had a 15-game losing streak, and nobody really expected them to start the year that bad. But I wouldn't actually pinpoint that as Jalen Green's worst stretch of the season. And I, I wanted to start with the worst stretch because I think the Jalen Green's worst stretch of the season actually, like kind of catapulted him into the best stretch of his season and just and it's really helped him turn the corner as a player as the season kind of naturally progressed and so for me the stretch of the season that I want to highlight where Jalen I think struggled the most is actually a bit of a it's a nine game stretch right in the middle of the season it's basically January so from January 7th 
through January 25th. So about a, you know, 18 day, little over two weeks, little under three weeks span of time, nine games in which Jalen had just 10.3 points per contest was shooting 30% from the floor, only 18% from three. He was having two turnovers a game. It was, it was really, really tough to watch that stretch from Jalen green. And what kind of predated that stretch was obviously the rough start of the season. Then Jalen was out due to the hamstring injury. Then he comes back from the hamstring injury and he has like four or five games where he looks absolutely absurd, right? Like he has a stretch where he's just putting up ridiculous numbers. The Rockets get the win on the road against the Washington Wizards. Vibes are immaculate. Like everything, like all this cool stuff is happening, right? And then he falls into this like complete shooting rut, this slump. And this is the nine games that I'm highlighting right here. And the final game in, in this stretch and I was kind of torn between these two games here. The one on the road against the Golden State Warriors, where the Rockets lost by two on the Steph Curry game winner, unfortunately. And then the subsequent game here of this little nine-game stretch for Jalen before he really turned it around was at home against the Spurs, the 30-point loss at home against the Spurs. On the road against the Warriors, Jalen was 0 of 11, didn't hit a single shot that game. And yet was able to stay in the game in the closing moments. We had seen a couple times that, you know, to this point in the season, Steven Silas opt to bench Jalen Green in the closing moments of a tight game and go with, like, Eric Gordon to close things out, who, at you know, earlier in the season was coming off the bench, all of that. And in this one, it was going to be a question of, oh, Jalen's really struggling. Are we going to see Jalen actually close out the game, or are we going to see Steven Silas bench him again because he's not contributing hardly whatsoever. And if you'll remember in that Golden State Warriors game, Jalen actually had two very crucial offensive rebounds late to give the Rockets extra possessions to stay in that game. And it was it was kind of the first sign of like seeing Jalen like, okay, he's really, really struggling, but he's still finding a way to try and impact the game in other ways. And we started to see his defense kind of trend upward a little bit around this point in the season as well. But then the subsequent game, three of 16 against the Spurs, just seven points, didn't make it to the free throw line at all. Another really, like a pair of really, really bad back-to-back games. And it was that game against the San Antonio Spurs. So this, to me, is the is was the worst stretch of Jalen Green's rookie season. That game against the Spurs, to me, was his worst individual game because it felt like it was kind of the culmination of that entire shooting, like, you know, shooting drought that he was in, right? He was frustrated, wasn't getting anything going, couldn't get any calls at the rim, couldn't get any single shot to drop, was just one of eight from three against the Spurs. And that was like, I, if I, if I, if memory serves, it was post game where he was really kind of frustrated. And I remember trying to ask him something about just his, you know, his shot for him, the shooting slump that he was in. And he got a little bit defensive with me. And understandably so. Like, there's a lot of pressure on this kid to perform at a, at a really high level. And I probably could have worded my question a little bit better when I was trying to ask it to him. But, you know, it was, I think that game specifically in that end of that stretch was really not necessarily like a wake up call, but once that drought was kind of over and once Jalen Green got past that stretch, that's when he got into the really insane stretch of the season that a lot of people have equated to, oh, he picked it up post All-Star break. I'd say he picked it up even before the All-Star break because if you run the numbers, 
of what Jalen Green was doing before the All-Star break, it's actually relatively solid. Like, you know, across 10 games right before the All-Star break, he had 15.9 points per contest, shooting 44% from the floor, 38% from three. He had 2.7 rebounds, 2.9 assists, and only 1.8 turnovers. Like, those numbers actually started to pick up even before the All-Star break hit. So it was really the end of January that Jalen Green started to kind of figure things out and really understand how to be the best version of himself on the basketball court. And that's what we really started to see as the season started to carry on. So I do want to dive into kind of his better, the best stretch of the season for Jalen Green, the best game of the season, at least in my opinion, the one that really stood out and was kind of Jalen Green's like welcome to like Jalen Green has arrived type moment as well as kind of what we've learned about Jalen Green, the growth that we saw out of him as the season went on. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Shady Rays, because Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed, durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays' insane protection program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection on every single pair. They'll send you a brand new pair if you lose them no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't love them you'll pay nothing it's as simple as that plus 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in america when you shop with shady rays exclusively for our locked on listeners head to shadyrays.com and use code locked on to get 50 percent off two or more of your favorite pairs of polarized sunglasses that's code locked on for the best deal of the season 50 percent off two or more pairs of shady ray sunglasses backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, I know it was kind of like, I don't want to say bitter to start with like Jalen Green's like worst stretch of the season, or like worst game, but I, I wanted to highlight just how the growth kind of went, right? Because it, he got off to a really bumpy start in his rookie campaign, right? Like he had the, the struggles, he and everybody else on the Rockets had the struggles with the double big lineup. Then he missed the, you know, 12, 14 game chunk of time with the hamstring injury. And then when he came back, he, it really started to look like, oh, he's figured it out. And he had that going for like four or five games. And then he hit that gigantic like shooting rut. And so there were a lot of kind of questions about like, yo, like what is going on with Jalen Green? Like, and that's why some of the discussion of like, oh my God, is this kid a bust? Like all this, all this stuff started popping up and it was, it was ridiculous. And it still is ridiculous to look back and try and judge a rookie based on his first two or three months in the NBA, right? And I think a big part of that was from the expectation standpoint coming into the season for Jalen Green, there was a bit more of an expectation that he was going to be one of the more NBA-ready prospects coming in of the top guys from this past year's draft. And so when he wasn't one of the more NBA-ready prospects, and then you looked around the league and you saw, oh, well, all right, Cade got off to a bit of a rough start, but he's starting to figure it out. Evan Mobley's doing doing work in Cleveland, although he's being buoyed by Jared Allen defensively over there. Um, right, and then even Scotty Barnes, right? But I think a big part of that is those some of those guys. Now, Cade is in the same camp as Jalen, but like again, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Herb Jones, the sensational rookie down in New Orleans. Those guys aren't expected to be the guy, right? They're not expected to create the offense. They're not expected to do all these little things to really, you know, create the advantage for their team to, to you know, steer the offense, to be the go-to guy offensively. They are ancillary pieces in what all of those other teams are trying to accomplish. So that's a lot more pressure put on Jalen Green and also 
Cade Cunningham and also Jalen Suggs down in Orlando, right? Like those guys are tasked with organizing the offense, creating their own opportunities, creating opportunities for themselves, for their teammates, all of that. That is a monumental role to have to take on as a rookie in the NBA. And so that's the context that needs to be provided when you look at how those guys kind of started the season and, and how those se their seasons respectively progressed versus Jalen Green's season. Now that said, again, he really started to figure things out at the end of January. And for me, I think that the stretch that is like Jalen Green's best stretch of the season is pretty like obvious for anybody that was, you know, watching the Rockets on a consistent basis. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably watch the Rockets on a consistent basis. But that said, it, it was the closing and stretch of the season, right? When the Rockets finally shut down the veterans and they focused on the identity of Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. and the young guys and really just letting those two guys kind of steer the ship for the final eight or nine games of the season. Because across those final eight games, we saw Jalen Green turn into and really show flashes of the future superstardom that I think he is destined for and really cemented the belief in myself and, and probably a lot of Rockets fans that, hey, this is the guy. This is the franchise cornerstone moving forward for the Houston Rockets. You don't have to worry about going out and getting a number one option. This is your number one option. Now you worry about finding the pieces to fit around him. Across those final eight games of the season, not only did Jalen Green score 30 plus out of in, in what, six? Yeah, he scored 30 plus in six out of those final eight games of the season. He had the one stinker in the second last second to last game of the season on the road against Toronto. You know, the, those types of games happen, right? It's not the end of the world. Around that game, though, and including that game, across those final eight games of the season, Jalen Green averaged 28 points per contest, shot 48% from the floor, shot 42% from three, 77% from the free throw line. He had four and a half rebounds per game, almost three assists per game, and just under two turnovers per game in 38 minutes played. We finally got to see Jalen Green unleashed in that final stretch of the season. And to me, I think that's why the Rockets season ended on such a high note is because that had been, that had been kind of the thing that Rockets fans had been clamoring for all season long was just, hey, like let's unleash the rookies. Let's see what we have here. And finally, the veterans were shut down. No Dennis Schroeder, no Eric Gordon, no Christian Wood. Shut down all those guys. Let's just see what we have with KPJ and Jalen Green leading the charge. And we got that glimpse, right? We got to see where this Rockets team could be headed in the future if those are your two mainstay guys at the top of the rotation, top of the pecking order, all of that. Now, outside of that phenomenal stretch to close the season, I actually think a lot of people may choose, and this is kind of, you know, difference of opinion. That's totally fine. You know, there's not a right or wrong opinion here. Some people may choose Jalen Green's 41-point performance as his best game of the season. I would disagree. Because there really weren't that many stakes in that game to close out the season, right? And he was, you know, by the end of the game, right, final like four or five minutes, like the Rockets were hunting for Jalen to get the 40-burger. It was still nice that it happened, but they were force-feeding the ball to Jalen Green trying to make it happen so that he could get the 40-piece before his rookie campaign was over. And I respect it. Like, that was a cool thing for his teammates to do. They didn't have to do that. That said, that 41-point performance is absolutely up there. It was a great exclamation point on his rookie year. To me, I think the absolute best game of the season for Jalen Green has to be the Rockets' overtime win against the LA Lakers at home. The one where Jalen Green truly took over the game down the stretch. He had 19 points across the fourth quarter and overtimes. 10 straight points in OT to put the Lakers away, right? 
10 straight points, a 10-0 run by himself in overtime for the Rockets to come away with that win against the LA Lakers, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, no Anthony Davis, all of that. That, to me, is easily one of the top three best games of the season for the Houston Rockets, maybe even the best game of the season for the Houston Rockets, personally. Like, there's, there were a lot, despite a season with a lot of losing, there were a lot of really fun, competitive, awesome games to choose from. Even some of the losses were like, you know, nail biters where you're just like, oh, they were so close, right? Like the Warriors game that I referenced earlier, right? Like that, going toe-to-toe with the Warriors in Oakland and coming up, even though they came up a little bit short off the Steph Curry game winner, that was an exciting game. One of the better games of the season. So when you look at Jalen Green and, and what that game kind of meant, that to me was like the, oh, oh, Jalen Green has arrived moment, right? Where you started to see him really take over the game you saw him dominate in ways that we really hadn't seen him dominate before, really kind of demanding the basketball and kind of forcing the issue in a way that was kind of new. And again, we hadn't seen it to that point, I feel like, in the season where throughout the season, there were stretches where Jalen was a bit more passive, right? A bit more willing to defer to his teammates on the floor, be it Kevin Porter Jr. or Christian Wood or Eric Gordon or even Jay Sean Tate, right? Like just deferring to the other four guys on the basketball floor. And that isn't what Jalen Green was drafted to do, right? He was drafted to be the guy. And it took a little while across the season for him to get comfortable enough to get to the point where he was more so willing to maybe not demand the basketball, but just not back down as easily, right? Where we would see early in the season, Jalen Green makes his move, gets denied on the first like attempt to create separation or create an advantage with the defense. And then he would just kick it back out to the top of the key. Instead, in this game specifically, we saw Jalen doing so many different things. And the, the best part of this game was the utilization of the mid-range to me, right? Jalen Green was living and feasting on the mid-range in this game against the LA Lakers because that was the game where, like, it was kind of around that stretch of the season where Jalen started to realize the way defenses are playing him the mid-range is going to be open, right? They're dropping their bigs a lot. They're choking up on the three-point line. They're trying to run him off screens. What opens up when teams are dropping their bigs and running you off the three-point line? It's the mid-range. And so we started to see Jalen Green really start to snake pick and rolls and utilize screens to his advantage and really get into into a bit of a flow, into a bit of a rhythm to where he was just getting whatever he wanted offensively and he's doing a lot of this without even making it to the free throw line is the crazy part right so like against the lakers in this game he had the 32 points on 13 of 21 shooting four of seven from the three-point line only made it to the free throw line twice in this game but in that stretch of takeover from the fourth quarter all the way into overtime he was navigating screens he was snaking pick and rolls he was getting to the mid-range and hitting bucket after bucket after bucket and just could not be stopped and so that to me was the best game of the season for Jalen Green one of the best games of the season for the Houston Rockets as a collective unit because of the way that they really hunkered down and got that win off the back of their future superstar in Jalen Green coming up I do want to highlight the stretches of Jalen Green's season where we saw we started to see some development the areas that needs to that need to improve as we move forward the areas of growth that we want to see more out of him moving forward and we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar because look when it comes to protein bars you got to check out Built Bar they're the number one protein bar on the market they've got so many incredible flavors to choose from raspberry strawberry mint brownie peanut butter salted caramel so many amazing flavors 
that you can choose from. Every single bar is low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Amazing if you're on a keto diet. Amazing if you're trying to cut back a little bit, lose a little bit of weight. Every single bar coated in 100% delicious chocolate. They're not gritty or chalky like some other protein bars out there on the market. You can check them out. Just go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best-tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, as we're rounding third, headed for home, talking about Jalen Green's overall season in review, I think that, again, coming into the season, there were some large expectations placed on Jalen Green. And I think overall, as the season progressed, you know, whether that is because Jalen was just going to naturally progress that way, whether it's because of what coaching staff was doing, you know, behind the scenes, the things that we don't really get to take a look at, the amount of, you know, the immense amount of work that is being put in behind the scenes, all of that. He got to a point where you feel incredibly confident about his role with this franchise moving forward and what he's going to be able to bring to the table. I think that one of the areas of his game that was going to be kind of underrated is he was, you know, billed as being this bona fide, like alpha level scorer, right. Coming into the NBA, but areas of his game that really started to flash and show some promise were like his, just his ability to impact the game in other ways, right? Like he's not just an empty, like, Oh, he's going to give you 25 and nothing else. Right. There, there are players out there like that. There are players that don't, ever find ways to impact the game besides putting the ball in the bucket. And hey, putting the ball in the bucket is a really important part of the game, right? So like, I'm not going to try to knock that. But that said, we saw games where Jalen Green was like, you know, racking up six, seven, eight rebounds a game because he was using his athleticism and, and really like, you know, sealing, you know, closing out good defensive possessions by securing the defensive rebound and getting out in transition. Or we saw games where he was racking up assists, you know, four or five, six assists because he was using his gravity as a scorer to create for his teammates. And it's those little glimpses into ways that he can impact the game besides scoring the basketball that have you thinking like, yo, if this kid can be like a 25, 30 point per game score, you know, at the NBA level, which he showed across that final stretch of the season, like that's going to happen. Like Jalen Green is going to lead the NBA in scoring at least once in his career, probably multiple times in his career, if we're being completely honest. But it's not just that. It's also being able to elevate your teammates' level of play. We're seeing that a lot with, like, Jason Tatum this season, who Jason Tatum has been, you know, an incredibly stellar player for the Boston Celtics. But this is kind of the first season, and credit to Emi Udoka for doing this with him, getting him to buy into to buy into more of a team-centric dynamic to where he's now elevating the play of his teammates. And it's not just Jason Tatum versus the world, right? It's not just Jason Tatum, oh, I've got to drop 30, 40, 50 to give us a chance to win. He can still do that, and there's still games where he does that, but he's actively facilitating more. He's more bought in on defense. He's just completely bought into what they're trying to do over there. And so you see some of those glimpses from Jalen Green, the promising aspects of his game, where you think, okay, as Jalen Green figures things out at the NBA level, as he gets comfortable scoring the basketball, the efficiency levels out, all of those things, how else can he elevate his team, right? Is he just going to be a 25, 30 point per game score and that's it and he's just good for buckets? Or is he going to be able to create for his teammates, defend at an elite level, rebound, all of these different things? And so we got glimpses, little pockets of that as the season went along. 
And I think that was a really pleasant surprise to me, especially the playmaking part of it, because the NBA is such is such a you know a guard driven league to where if you have a guard who yeah maybe they can get their own shot, but if they can't create for another player at a high level, if they don't have the 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 field of vision, the playmaking ability to get the ball to the open man when teams start sending double and triple teams your way just because you're a bucket getter, then you're you're gonna have a bad time offensively. So to see those glimpses from Jalen Green was really really promising for me. I think that when you look at his game and, and how he developed throughout the season, I think that two areas that really stand out were his defensive awareness and his mid-range game that he brought back. I already highlighted the mid-range, the mid-range game a little bit, so I'll just kind of touch on that very briefly here. But to see Jalen go from you know what he was doing earlier in the season, which was, hey, a lot of off-ball play, right? A lot of, you know, at times Rockets fans were frustrated because it looked like Jalen Green was being treated like P.J. Tucker, just stashed away in the corner waiting for the ball to rotate to him. That said, a lot of off-ball play for Jalen Green, which has has worked because now Jalen Green is more comfortable operating off the ball. He understands how to relocate, finding windows, as Steven Silas calls them, within the offense to relocate and create easy opportunities for himself by drifting to the open areas of the floor. So I do think that him playing off-ball a bit more to start the season helped in that regard of like growing him and him learning where to be, what spots to be in, how to occupy certain areas of the floor, all of that. But again, that said... I think that as far as his bringing back the mid range, right, we started to see him, you know, operate a bit more on the ball, have opportunities to attack all of this. And then realizing that the way defenses were guarding him, he had to bring that back the mid range and to work that into his game or back into his game. Cause we saw him utilize the mid range quite a bit at the G league level. So for him to work that mid range back into his game in the middle of an NBA season, is impressive to not do it for basically half a season and then to start rolling it out. Like it's just, Oh, well, yeah, I'll just bring this back out of my bag. I'll just dust it off. And here we go. And to see him really utilize that and, and be efficient with it was a great, great sign above that though, his defense Jalen green was a really, really bad defender to start the season. Like really bad. He's still not a great defender. Like he's not like, uh, you know, he's not elite. He's not Herb Jones level, right? But his growth from where he started the season as a defender to where he ended the season of de- uh, as a defender is a world of difference. And that level of drive for a, from a rookie, from your franchise cornerstone, to want to be bought in defensively and to grow and improve on a you know at an at a really kind of like exponential rate on that end compared to where he started to where he is now that is a great sign moving forward. Jalen Green has all the tools to be a, a a two-way player, to be like a you know, maybe not an all NBA caliber defender. I'm not going to put the stakes that high on him, but he has the tools and the drive to be a very very good plus defender at the NBA level. And the biggest thing was as we started to see the NBA season, you know, come to an end, Jalen started to become more aware of different schemes, different dynamics, starting to understand, okay, how am I going to like navigate this pick and roll, right? I'm going to, you know, okay, I'm squeezing, I'm, I'm fighting around the pick. Okay. I'm dropping under like understanding helps, uh, understanding help side rotations, all these different things. And it, it was really cool. If you go back and watch some of the highlights from the season, right? Watch some of the later games in the season and you see Jalen Green doing like the little things that need to be done to win basketball games, like rotating into the paint when, you know, a guy rotates, when one of the bigs have to rotate on the perimeter to like close out a shot or drive somebody off the three-point line. Jalen Green rotates in and starts trying to box out like, you know, the opposing center. Like little things like that, that you think like, oh, a rookie may not be paying attention to, like whatever. Jalen picked up on all those little nuances of the defense as the season went on. So is he a terrific defender right now? No. 
is he showing flashes of being a good defender, whether it's, you know, playing passing lanes or, you know, stealing the ball, you know, picking, you know, pickpocketing somebody that he's actively defending or just his isolation defense, which was like in the 87th percentile of the, in, of the entire NBA season across all players who defended in isolation, minimum like 20 possessions. Um, all these different things point towards a player that is going to be a good to above average defender at the NBA level. So I think that's definitely an area that you've got to be really confident about moving forward for Jalen Green. My biggest area of maybe not concern, but just hope for him moving forward. Now it's it's less it's less so I don't think he's going to get it figured out. More like when does he get it figured out? Is absorbing contact and finishing at the rim, right? And it's not to say that Jalen didn't do a good job finishing at the rim. In fact, I, I pulled up his stats. He was shooting uh, post All Star break. He was shooting. Pfft, 87% on paint touches post all-star break. Yeah. Paint touch field goal percentage, 87%. Yeah. That's kind of absurd. So he was thriving, you know, inside, but he wasn't getting to the charity stripe a lot. And I think that's going to be the area of his game that really opens up quite a bit more this next season is if he's able to bulk up a little bit this summer, you know, add 10, 15 pounds of weight, um, not 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. I remember putting that out on Twitter and people were like, yo, it's impossible to add 10 to 15 pounds of muscle in one summer. And I was like, okay, my bad. Like we're not trying to get him on like PEDs or anything. So if he can add 10 to 15 pounds of just weight, right. And some extra muscle, it's going to be a lot easier for him to finish through contact, absorb contact and really force the issue at the rim by leveraging his explosive speed, his athleticism, all of that to have and convert some of the finishes that he wasn't able to convert earlier this season or get and one opportunities on, on attempts where he just relied on his speed to like get to the rim and finish around guys, but kind of in a similar vein to the mid range game that he really, we really started to see roll out and, and develop and, and kind of come out of nowhere in the middle of the season for Jalen green, his ability to finish at the rim really hit another level in that second half of the season where we saw earlier on in the season, right? Jalen would like, he'd get the blow by on his defender and he'd be like going up for a layup at the rim and he'd get absolutely swatted by like the center, right? Like somebody would rotate over and absolutely like destroy him at the rim or foul him or block him, whatever. And that would happen a lot in transition too, where he would, you know, just be relying on his speed. Like he's just like, I'm faster than everybody else. I'm going to get there. Layup comes block, right? Cause he's not used to having guys that can kind of keep up with him at the NBA level. That said, he's still incredibly fast compared to other NBA players. The gap just isn't as wide as it's been historically for him, like in the G league or in high school, like in AAU, like all that stuff. So we started to see him become a better craftier finisher. Right. And I think the, the best, some of the best finishes that he had were where he was like, he would snake through two defenders, get right up to the rim. And then he would, like finish on the other side of the rim, right? Go for a reverse and use the rim to like shield himself. So he wasn't just relying on the, oh, I'm faster than everybody else. I'm going to get to the rim and be wide open. It was, I'm pretty sure I'm going to beat everybody else to the rim, but I'm going to finish on the other side of the rim just in case there's a big man behind me that I don't see coming, right? Or his ability to, sometimes he would split the defense, get right into the rim, and he would use his offhand on the opposite side. So like if you're on the left-hand side of the basket, he'd go up with his right hand and like barely like flip the ball like right up, you know, just like outside of the iron and barely get it up, you know, into the rim with a little bit of English on it. Or like same thing on the right-hand side, go up with the left hand and like just get a little bit of English on it to finish it, almost like a twisting layup that he would hit. And so seeing those little developments in his offensive game, him realizing, okay, how I can get to the rim. Like he's like, okay, I can get there, right? I can blow past anybody in the NBA. 
what do I do once I get there, right? Like what, how do I navigate the bigs that are waiting for me in the paint? How do I like avoid the shot blockers and actually finish my, finish my attempt at the rim? How do I finish these drives strong? So all these little nuances in Jalen Green's game that he kind of grew with and developed and implemented across his rookie season give a lot of optimism moving forward to his development as a future Houston Rocket, as a future scoring champ, as a future All-NBA caliber player, as one of the best, if not the best, future shooting guard in the league. You know, he and Anthony Edwards are going to be, I mean, the NBA is in great hands. When you look at the, like, where the shooting guard position is at right now with the young talent that is in the league today, it's, I mean, those two guys are going to be neck and neck for best, you know, and second best shooting guard for years to come in the NBA. And hopefully we'll get a couple playoff series between those two guys as well to really kind of uh, have some bragging rights and all that good stuff. But for Jalen Green and his season review, that's going to be where we kind of leave things off. Uh, in our exit interview series, the big question for Jalen Green moving forward was going to be just how good can he get this offseason, right? It's not a question of like, oh, is he going to come back? Is he going to be worse? This, that, and the other thing. It's like, this guy is a film junkie. He wants to get better. He wants to be the best. So how much of a leap is Jalen Green poised to take from this season to next season? Because we see a lot of rookies take a big jump from their rookie to sophomore year. So how big of a leap is Jalen Green poised to make this offseason? It's going to be really exciting. And of course, we're going to have you covered for all of that and more right here at Locked on Rockets. But before we wrap things up for today's episode, because we only have a finite amount of time to squeeze in as many lottery sims as possible, we'll do a quick lottery sim here to wrap up the episode. Oh, and it was one of the worst ones that we've ever done. Indiana, OKC, Washington, and Detroit are the one through four picks. So Houston falls to number five. Pretty yikes. We'll just go ahead and assume that the top four guys are off the board. That would be... Of course, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, Jabari Smith Jr., and Jaden Ivey. That leaves, I guess, Shaden Sharp, maybe Keegan Murray, maybe Benedict Matherin, A.J. Griffin at the number five spot. For now, I'm going to go Shaden Sharp. Until we actually get confirmation on what's going on with him and his draft eligibility status, he's still on the board. So we're going to go Shaden Sharp for now. Um... But yeah, that's going to be where we close off today's episode. A terrible tankathon sim, unfortunately. I'm sorry to leave on such a bad note. But with that, that's going to do it for today's episode, Jalen Green's Rocket season in review. How do you feel Jalen Green's season went? What do you think was the best stretch or the worst stretch for Jalen Green's season? Let me know what you think his best game and worst games were in the YouTube comments. I do listen or I do read those every single day. I check them out always. Try to make sure you know. Try to read them when I can. I read them every single day, even if I don't get a chance to reply to them. But as always. Please, if you haven't considered doing it yet, subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify, Google, Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, be sure to check out the show on YouTube, as previously mentioned. Search Locked on Rockets on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.